have you ever been in this scenario before? You're on your way somewhere, not particularly in a hurry. You're driving, if you drive, but you're driving and you pull up at the lights and it's one of those sets of lights where two lanes can go straight ahead, right? And you're quite happily listening to your Hillsong tunes because that's what we all listen to when we're driving around or whatever you're listening to. Quite happy when the person beside you revs their car and inches forward. What happens in that moment? Or potentially leading up to this light, you've been behind this person and they've been someone who seems to consider 40 kilometres per hour the speed limit. And you pull up beside them and your thought is what? I must get in front of them. I must. And so you're waiting, you wait, light turns green and who knows how irritating it is when the person who was doing 40 kilometres per hour to the traffic light takes off from the traffic light at 340 kilometres per hour only to slip in front of you because it goes to one lane and then do 40 kilometres an hour again. Who's ever been there? Happened to my husband last week. I wasn't going to mention that. What happens inside you? You've had a happy day so far, praising the Lord to your Hillsong tunes. What happens in that moment that that person does that? Do you just go, fair? Or do you lose your attitude? I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up and I'm not going to tell you what I do. You know, but I want to talk tonight about attitude because attitude is so essential to life. I know we talk about it a lot But we talk about it a lot because attitude is not one of those things that you just get a good one and keep it. It's something that you have to continuously work on. And maybe you're not like me, but for me, I find many opportunities every day of my life that will test and shape my attitude. After tonight, we're going to have an opportunity to test our attitudes when we see who wins. Victoria's gone. Victoria's not playing, Matthew. You know, when we think about the game tonight, a lot of it is skill. I mean, they're skills. I'm not really a football person. I had to ask someone. I talked to Dave Went before about football, so I'd have some sort of, I just want to know who wins. I don't like doing the journey. I just start wins. I like the national anthem. It's great. Um, But when they go on the field, they've trained, right? They've trained, but they've both trained a lot. They're both the cream of the crop. And sometimes the difference between who wins and who loses is who keeps their attitude. Who goes, we didn't get that one, but we're going to get the next one. We fumbled that one, but we're going to win. And Queensland, not to, not to shout any praises for Queensland, but Queensland is renowned for coming back when they are the underdog. They seem to have this ability to grab an attitude of no we are going to rise and do it because it's all about attitude because attitude is everything in life. Attitude determines how you do life, what level you do life at, what opportunities you get and how you feel about it. It actually determines everything in your life. And the thing I love about attitude is it's yours to choose, 
It's yours to choose. I want to look at a passage of scripture and I am going to preach really short tonight because I think that the game is really important, but this is also important. So just Numbers 13, I'm just going to pick a few verses out of it. And it's uh, where the Lord speaks to Moses. And he says, send men out to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to, to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So Moses sent them out from the wilderness of wherever, according to the command of the Lord, all of them, them all of them men, all of them men, all of them men who were, see, punctuation's important. All of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Let me slip down a bit. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way to the south and go up into the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up, they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath. Then they came to the valley of Eshul and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So they went out. God's promised them this land. And so Moses sends out these men. They are leaders amongst their tribes. They're not dummies. They're leaders amongst their tribes. And he says, go and have a look. Come back and tell me what the land looks like. Tell me if it's great. Tell me if it's poor. Tell me how the people live. Give me a snapshot of the land. So now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Remember, the fruit of the land is a bunch of grapes that they have to put on a stick between two men. They're pretty big grapes. Like That's pretty big grapes. So they come back with these, with these grapes and they told him and they said... We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Impressive. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said... Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. So they come back and they say the land is amazing. It flows with milk and honey. We've got this great big bunch of grapes. It looks amazing. But... There's a divided report. There's two different attitudes at the end of this scripture. One says, let's do it. We can. It's ours. God's promised it to us. Let's go take it. And the vast majority go, uh-uh. The people are big. They're rough. They're giants. They're going to kill us. They're going to eat us. The land actually will devour us. We can't do it. 
When we looked at that, those people, we felt like grasshoppers. And so that's how we appeared to them. That was their attitude. The can and the can't. You know, I, read, I was reading on attitude this week and I came across this quote. And it said, I love this, the only disability in life is a bad attitude. The only disability in life, the only thing that held these men out of that land was a bad attitude. A can't do attitude. According to Stanford Research Institute studies, the path to success is compromised of 88% attitude and 12% education. 88% attitude and 12% education. Now, I'm not saying it's not important to be smart. That's important. I'm not saying it's not important to have an education. That's important. But if you only have education without a great attitude, then success is not guaranteed to you. And I would say to you, if you have a great attitude and maybe not as big an education, success is guaranteed to you because it's all about attitude. The only difference between a good day, this is another quote, and a bad day is your attitude. What an amazing power we have at our disposal to be able to to determine every day what is a good day and what is a bad day, no matter what's happened, just by our attitude. So, you know, when you're out in the foyer later and you say, how was your week to someone? Let's just see what they say. Let's just see. Attitude is something I've found in my many years on this planet that is tested and retested and tested and retested and tested and retested continuously in life. Has anyone else found that? Or did you just go, I've got a good attitude and sweet? I found that my attitude needs to be adjusted usually daily, sometimes more often. I've never actually mastered it. I think I have a fairly good outlook on life. I'm fairly optimistic. I like to be positive. But I do find myself in situations during the day where I have to master my attitude. I have to adjust my attitude. The irritants that come before me have to be mastered within me before I can do anything else to move forward. And why is that, do you think? Why is attitude such a continuous thing that we have to adjust? Why does it always seem there is a person or a situation in your life who will test your attitude? Why is that? Do you know why I think that is? I think it's because it's about our heart. It's about our heart. It's all about our heart, our attitude. Proverbs 4, Proverbs 4, 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. That's why we've got to watch our attitude. Because when we get a bad attitude, we get a bad heart, and everything we do flows from it. Every decision that we make flows from it. So we have to continue to address our attitude and keep it sweet and keep it good and keep it Christ-like because it affects our heart. Nothing will take you out faster in life than a bad attitude. Who knows someone with a bad attitude? Everybody does. Who's sitting? No, don't. No, no, just keep that to yourself. 
If you've got a bad attitude towards your work, it's really hard to go there every day. It's really hard to to give it your best if you've got a bad attitude towards your work. If you've got a bad attitude towards someone, it's really hard to hang out with them. And it's really hard to be friendly and compassionate towards them because you've got a bad attitude. If you've got a bad attitude towards yourself, which is also possible, it's really hard to see yourself succeeding or taking ground or being the person that God has created you to be. If you've got a bad attitude, it affects everything in your life. And I really believe that attitude sometimes is a trap that the enemy sets for us. That's why it's so continuous to stall us, to take us out. There's nothing worse than spending weeks and weeks and weeks cranky with someone because they didn't do something that you didn't tell them about because they didn't know about it and you've got such a bad attitude towards it that you can't actually speak to them and you lose weeks of your life with this ridiculous bad attitude. So very quickly tonight, I want to look at How to keep a great attitude. Is that good? How to keep a great attitude. And these keys are something that are so simple and they're something that we can all do. And the first one is this. It's a choice. It's a choice. And if it's a choice, then you have the power to make it. Sometimes you have to choose more than once. Sometimes you have to choose every couple of minutes. Sometimes it's just once a day. Sometimes it's once a month. But sometimes you just have to go, I'm going to get a good attitude on this. I'm going to feel positive about this. I'm going to look for the good in this. I'm going to choose to see this as something that's going to develop me, that's going to add character to me, that I'm going to walk through, that I'm going to win, that I'm going to overcome because I've got a great attitude. Deuteronomy 30 verse 19 says, This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You get to choose whether you sow death and negativity and a sucky attitude into your life or you choose to sow life and a great attitude and a positive outlook and a growth perspective into your life. You get to choose it. And it's not hard. This is how I do it. I go like this. I have a husband who sometimes identifies for me that I have a bad attitude, which is helpful. But when I've identified that I have a bad attitude, I do this. Okay, I'm just going to choose to not have a bad attitude. I'm going to choose to see it differently. I'm going to choose to step back, get a good perspective on this. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to choose to see it as an opportunity, not something that is bad. I'm going to choose to see it as something that's going to grow me and not put me in the ground. I'm going to choose to see it as something that I can walk through and get victory over. I'm going to choose to see it as a great thing. I say it to myself. That's how I choose. I just choose. And then I do it. And then sometimes when I interact with that person again, because sometimes it's around people, I have to walk away and choose again. So anyway, I'm going to choose to have a good attitude about this. I'm going to choose to see the good in this. I'm going to choose to see this as an opportunity. I'm going to choose to see this as something that grows me. I'm going to choose to see life in this. I'm going to choose to see this is a good thing in my life because you get to choose. Nobody puts a bad attitude on you. Nobody can make you have a bad attitude. You choose to keep it. You know, um, we, we've had, we have three children, <clears throat> two of them are boys. And, you know, the only thing that sort of I could think about that reminds me of, 
of what a bad attitude is like is, is Reuben's socks. When Reuben has worn his socks for a few days, they don't smell very good. They don't feel very good when I pick them up to turn them inside out to wash them. Kind of crusty. The, the smell of them remains on my hands after I put them. I know it's gross, isn't it? But that's what a bad attitude is like. It stinks. And all I have to do to take those socks from being crusty and standing up by themselves and stinking is to actually put them in the wash, to choose to wash them. And then they're beautiful again. And sometimes we need to wash our attitude. Because if our attitude stinks, you'll notice because people will give you a wide berth. I know that because if I leave Reuben's socks in the middle of the floor downstairs, people give them a wide berth because they stink until I go pick them up and wash them. And if you've got a bad attitude, people will give you a wide berth because they don't want to catch it. But you get to choose to have a great attitude. So I'd encourage you, choose it. It's a good way to live. Number two, pay attention to the warning signs. In my car, I have a little fuel light that comes on. Who has a fuel light in their car? Very helpful. Very helpful. It tells me that I've got 70 kilometres or less till my tank is empty. It warns me that I'm about to run out of petrol. I don't rely on that. I know some people who do. My husband, when the fuel light comes on, he says things like, that's okay, I've got 70 kilometres to go. When the fuel light comes on, I go put petrol in the car because it warns me I'm about to run out. So these are the warning signs. How are you thinking? How are you thinking? Because that's where it starts. That's where a bad attitude starts. How are you thinking? Do you have a sense of injustice about a situation or a circumstance? Do you feel like something is unfair? You know, you talk to yourself and you think, wow, that wasn't fair. You know, and I'm sorry to be the bearer of this, but sometimes life isn't. It's just a fact. But your attitude isn't ruled by whether it's fair or not. So how are you thinking? How are you thinking about that person? You know, I've had people say to me, I'm not offended with that person. I go, okay, how do you feel when you see them when my blood boils? Well, I think you're offended with that person. Are you able to have a conversation with them? No, not really. Can you look them in the eye? No. They're kind of warning signs. When you think about that person that upset you, does your blood pressure go up? Do you think about new and creative ways to inflict pain on them? Probably indicates that your attitude is not great. You know? Do you think about that teacher at school and go, they just got it out for me? Well, then find a way to have them not have it out for you. Find a way to be pleasing. Find a way to to do that. It starts in your thinking. How are you speaking? Is another warning sign. How are you speaking about that circumstance or that situation or that friend or that ex-friend or that person in your workplace? How are you speaking about them? Are you speaking positively? Are you speaking with faith? Are you speaking in a life-giving way about that person or not? Because sometimes that will indicate that maybe, maybe there's a little bit of a bad attitude brewing there. That's a warning sign that you've got. To, it's like my fuel light. It doesn't mean you've got a bad attitude, but you might be on the way there. So it might be time to fill up the good attitude tank. How are you acting? Starts in your mind, comes out your mouth. And then your behaviour follows. How are you acting? You know, if you've got someone in your life that you've got a bad attitude with, are you avoiding them? 
if you're in a position of authority over them, are you giving them the, the awful jobs because you can and just doing it because you've got a bad attitude? Are you, are you, you know, maybe you serve in the church. Are you doing just enough? Are you just turning up at work if you've got a bad attitude at work? Are you you're just making sure you're there on time? I remember um, when, I used to, when I worked at the university many, many years ago, I'm an early person. I just wake up early. I just do. It's just me. Um, and I would always go to work. You know, I think I started at 8 and I would always be there by 7.30. It's just me. And I'm still like that. I just start early. And I can remember my boss getting, saying to me at once, you know, just because you start early doesn't mean you're working up time. It's your choice to start early. So if you want to start early, don't expect me to give you any time off. And I'd not asked for time off, but at that point I started to get a bad attitude. was like, right, I'm just going to go to work and I'm just going to read the paper and drink coffee until 7.59 and then I'm going to start work. Who knows that wasn't hurting my boss? He was hurting me because I started to act out like a child. I'm just going to fold my arms and stick out my bottom lip and not give you anything because I've just got a bad attitude. Starts where you think. Then you start to speak it. Then you start to do it. And these are warning signs, like the little warning light on my dashboard for you to go, hey, maybe I need to adjust that. Maybe. When you find you're just doing enough, when you find you're resentful, many years ago when we first were part of this church, we had these hideous red chairs that... I almost had a party when we got rid of them, that I used to straighten. And I've told this story before. I used to straighten them because they needed straightening. And I didn't mind. I actually liked doing it at first. But then when other people would come and just sit down while I straightened the chairs because I was straightening the chairs, I started to get really resentful. It's like, can they not see that I'm straightening the chairs? Now, none of you would have done this because you were also much more amazing than me. But I started to bustle. Who knows what bustling means? I started to bustle. You know, slap the chairs down, move them along because I had a really bad attitude because people wouldn't help me. I didn't ask anyone to help me. I just wanted them to see that they should be helping me because that would be the thing to do. And I remember my husband saying to me, because he's like the Holy Spirit at times. Sometimes I don't appreciate it, but this time I did. And I can remember him saying to me, hey, you'd be better off not doing that than doing it with a bad attitude. Well, then I had a bad attitude towards him because... You know, clearly I was serving my heart out and no one else was picking it up, but he was right. And so I did keep straightening the chairs and I did it with a good attitude because it was mine to choose. Number three, check your heart. I read before Proverbs 4.23, above all else guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. How do you check your heart? There's a few ways to check your heart. You know, in this place we believe in journaling. And we really encourage people to journal, which is to read the Word of God and have, allow God to speak to you on a certain subject that you're reading about and write it down and apply it to your life. That's a really good way to check your heart. I've found sometimes when I've been struggling with stuff and I've had bad attitudes towards it, I will read Scripture and it's like holding a mirror up to my face. Sometimes it's not very pretty. Sometimes we really like looking in the mirror because we think we look pretty good. Sometimes we hold it up and we go, oh, that's a bit ugly. That's just a bit ugly. That still small voice of the Holy Spirit is another great way to check your heart. 
You know, if you walk away from an interaction with someone and you feel a little bit like, that was not the thing to do, then maybe you need to check your heart. We've got a part in our, of our journaling called Clean Heart. And I love this. And I would encourage you to practice this. We call it keeping short accounts with God. Helps you to keep your heart checked. And all that simply is that at the end of every day, you just say to God, is there anything you want to speak to me about today? Is there anything that I've done or said or encountered that you want to speak to me about today? Because I don't want to go into tomorrow with the rubbish of today that I can actually just leave here. Check your heart. And if you're willing to do that, then you keep a sweet attitude. You, you stop those things taking root in your heart and it enables you to move through life without the baggage. Fourth and last thing, determined to be grateful. This is a really big thing. You know, sometimes in life, life can seem unfair. And we can get an attitude about that. It can seem not fair. It can, it can seem like that person who isn't really living the way I'm trying to live is getting ahead further and faster and quicker than I am. And we can, we can feel like it's, it's, it's just not, it's not fair. You know, I should be doing that. That promotion, that should have been mine. That, that guy, he was mine and now she's going out with him. You know, we, there's all these opportunities to, to feel that way. But I've determined to be grateful. I've determined it so, so much in my life that I had it tattooed on my wrist to remind me to be grateful. Because I tell you what, an attitude of gratitude is so easy to have. You know, we've just had our first granddaughter, our first grandchild. She's living in Taipei. I have lots of friends who have grandchildren here. And if I'm not careful... I can get a bad attitude and be cranky with God because my grandchild lives in Taipei and not here and I don't get to see her all the time. And I have a friend I was talking to the other day that goes around to her daughter's house every second day and does the grandparent thing. And and for a little while, if I'm totally honest, I got a slightly stinky attitude about this. And then I stopped and I thought, you know what? I'm determined to be grateful. I've got an experience in my life that some people never have. And yes, she might be nine hours away, but it doesn't make any difference to me. I'm still having the experience of being a grandparent. I've got the joy of seeing my children serve Jesus over years and overseas for many years and build a great church. And so I choose to be grateful for that, not snipey about that because it doesn't look the way I think it should look. An attitude of gratitude will keep your attitude sweet. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says this. Let joy be your continual feast. Make your life a prayer. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. You know, in all the years that I've lived, I've found that it could always be worse. Whatever you're facing right now, it could always be worse. My mother is elderly now and she says, you know, don't get old. And I say, the alternative is not great, mum. Think about it. The alternative is not great. And so I think an attitude of gratitude, thankful for what you have. We live in an amazing place. 
Where we live is amazing. It's not Sydney. I'm grateful for that. It's a beautiful place. We have, we are able to hop in our car and drive anywhere that we want to. Most of you came by car. Most of you didn't have to walk for three hours to get here tonight. Most of you will go home after the game tonight rejoicing for whoever won to a beautiful, warm house where you've got a bed. Most of you will get up in the morning and and either go to school or or go to a job and where they pay you for your services. We've got clean water to drink, part of an amazing church family. So many things to be grateful for. So when we feel like our attitude is slipping, I'd encourage you, have an attitude of gratitude. It could always be worse. Is that good? I just want to encourage you tonight. I just want to encourage you that you get to choose. If where you're living right now feels like not where you want it be, then change. If you're feeling that life is not great, well then change. Take the power that you have to choose to look at your life in a way that is going to make you want to live better. Would you let me pray for you tonight? Would you mind standing with me while I pray for you? Now, I'm not going to pray that you have a great attitude because that's not how it works. But I'm going to pray that as you leave tonight, the things that, that you've been struggling with, that you'll get a new perspective on them, that you'll choose to see life, that you'll choose to see hope, that you'll choose to be grateful, that you'll choose to pay attention to the warning signs that maybe your heart is being pulled in a way that's not going to be good for you. Lord, I just thank you tonight. For everyone here, I thank you that we have the ability to choose the way that we see our lives and the way that we're living. Lord, I thank you tonight that as I've spoken and I thank you for identifying warning signs about the way we've spoken about someone or a circumstance or a situation, the way that we've thought about it, maybe the way that we've been acting towards it. And I thank you, Lord, for just giving us the ability to choose to be different. Thank you, Lord, tonight that as we've spoken, spoken about your word, Lord, and we've spoken about keeping short accounts with you, that, that, Lord, you would help us tonight as we go to bed tonight, that we would remember to go, God, is there anything you want to speak to me about today? And Lord, I, I just thank you for us being able to be grateful for the life that we have. Because Lord, I thank you that you, your intent for us is good, that you love us, that you know everything about us, that you have set us on a trajectory and a, and a path for our life that is just tailor-made for each and every one of us. And so, Lord, I thank you for that destiny and that purpose on every life in this room. And, Lord, I just thank you for, for lifting our eyes tonight to see that and to understand that our attitude is in our reach to control and to choose. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. As we finish tonight, you know, maybe you came along to support the Palmer for the Farmer and church is not your normal place that you would come. I just want to encourage you tonight that that God loves you, that everything I've said tonight about the ability of, of God to change your life, to, to help you, that God's intent is good for you is all true because God created you to live in relationship with Him. That's what I'm convinced of. He created us to live in relationship with Him that we would know our eternal destiny and our purpose that we would see life as being a great thing, that we would just love and enjoy life. That's why God created us, to walk with Him and 
this magnificent journey that is called life. And so tonight, maybe you're here and that's not been your experience. You know, I I wasn't a Christian all my life. I, I didn't know Jesus until I was probably 20. And I was in a meeting like this and and I can't remember what they spoke about. But I do remember thinking, I want that for my life. And at the end of the service, they gave an opportunity for me to choose that, just like you choose your attitude. And that's what I want to do tonight. So I wonder if you would mind closing your eyes and bowing your heads. And if you're here tonight, and that's not your experience, but you would like it to be, you would like that assurance that, that Jesus is with you, that He's for you, that you want to know the plan and purpose for your life and be connected with that relationship with Him. If that's you tonight, I I wonder if you would be brave enough to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around, just me. I'm just going to acknowledge it and you can put it down and we're all going to pray a prayer together. I'm not going to um, embarrass you. I'm going to call you out. Just simply say, I see that hand. And then we're all going to pray together. And it sounds so simple, but for me, that moment so many years ago was life-changing. And so I want to give you that opportunity tonight. So I wonder, while our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if that's you tonight, would you raise your hand really quickly, just so I can see it. And I'll just acknowledge it and we'll pray together and believe for God to come into your life and, and make a change. As I look across one more time, I know there's someone here. I just know you're here. I just encourage you, just be brave. Raise your hand, go, that's me. I need this in my life. I need a change. I need a change. Lord, I thank you tonight for every heart here. Thank you for those whose hearts are towards you. And I thank you tonight for just meeting us right where we're at. We thank you and we're grateful for who you are in our life. In Jesus' name. Hey, church, why don't we pray this all together? I love that we pray this together every week. I love that it's a prayer of commitment. I love that it resets us every Sunday at the beginning of the week for a fresh start with God. So let's pray it together. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for forgiving me. Come into my life and I will follow you. Amen. So go out into this week. Looking at your attitude, choosing life in your attitude, being grateful for the life you have and I assure you that it will be an excellent week. Matt's going to give us some information. Thanks, guys.